You are listening to Fit, a podcast created for companies who believe healthy employees are good for business. I'm Stacy Fritz, one of the owners of Fit to Order. Join us as we discuss corporate wellness strategies that will inspire the evolution of a fit and healthy workforce. Hello, welcome to episode number two. Um, we want to welcome Trisha Hayden from the Red Devils, and today's focus is going to be about the Red Devils, what they're all about, and um, just learning a little bit more about their story and what they're trying to inspire in our Baltimore County community. We want to welcome Trisha. Also on our podcast today is Patty, um, my business partner at Fit to Order. So there'll be the three of us um, just enjoying each other's company and sharing a little bit more information. So welcome, Trisha. Thank you. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about the Red Devils? Sure. Um, the Red Devils was founded in 2002 by two uh, Baltimore families. Um, both families had daughters who were diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, Ginny was, I think, in her early 40s, and Jessica was 30 when, when they were diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, both women met in... Um, a support group, and both of their families met in a caregiver support group. Um, and, and something that both families noticed when Ginny and Jessica were going through treatment was that Ginny and Jessica always had family and friends with them to go to treatment, to help them with meals, to help them with rides, and that there were so many women that they saw that were doing this alone. And I think they were very moved by that. And knew that they wanted to do something to help those women. Um, so when Ginny and Jessica passed away, within six weeks of each other, both families got together and decided, okay, we want to do something for those women that, that we saw that really didn't have the, the family and friend support that um, Ginny and Jessica had. So the Red Devils was founded in 2002, uh, the name comes from the nickname for the chemotherapy drug, Adriamycin. Um, we started out in Howard County with one hospital, and we had a, a caterer and um, Maids. Um, then we expanded to three hospitals, and now we're in 48 hospitals throughout wow. the state of Maryland. Really incredible, really incredible story. Um, how did you get involved with the Red Devils, you personally? My neighbor, uh, she was one of the founders of the Red Devils, and she got me involved volunteering for the first fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So um, we have... It started out as a, a family fun walk in Columbia at Centennial Lake. Um, she asked me to volunteer with that first fundraiser, and soon after that, we received a donation from a local foundation, which funded my position. So she got me, she got me hooked, and have been here for almost. 14 years. Incredible. Really incredible. One of the things that's so amazing about the Red Devils is that you personalize the struggle of women fighting a very real and frightening disease. You bring to the table a story about the horrific statistics we only read about. Is there one story in particular that stands out in your mind beyond just the grassroots story? Is there one story that stands out in your mind that um, is just really encompasses the 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 feeling and the, the services and everything that the Red Devils is about that, you, that you'd that you like to share? 
There is, and and when you say personalize the struggle, um, you know, every person, every woman, and we have had a couple men who have been diagnosed with breast cancer, but every patient has a different story, they have different needs, and um, I think that's what makes us so unique is that we can um, focus on that unique need of each patient, whether it be someone who needs help with their mortgage or childcare or medical bills, um, we can focus on whatever it is that they need to help them get through their treatment. Um, but I remember a couple years ago, one of our social workers called and we had just received a donation of gift cards from the Montessori school. And um, it was restaurant gift cards, movies, and um, the social worker called and she said, you know, Trisha, I have this really sad case that, that came to me. She said there was a, a young girl who was 21 who was diagnosed with breast cancer and she said, you know, I would love to be able to give her a restaurant gift card or movie gift card. And, and I just smiled from ear to ear because I was like, I just got all of these gift cards. So um, we put together a little basket and um, put some gift cards in it and gave it to, to Erica. And I received a, a thank you note from her soon after that saying that she and her boyfriend were able to go out to dinner and go to a movie hmm. um, and not have to worry about money or, or anything. Um, and then fast forward two years later, Erica was still struggling. And so we were able to help her um, with her rent. We were able to help her with meals and with, with gas cards. Um, but the thing that struck me about her when I met her she was 24 years old, she was working two jobs, she was going to school, and she was living on her own. Wow. So she was this truly very independent person who um, just uh, truly appreciated all the help that we gave her. Uh, she didn't want to be a burden on her family. She didn't want to ask them for anything. But I think there were a couple times throughout her um, throughout her treatment that she realized that she she needed a little bit of help, but she knew that it wasn't going to be long-term and um, said, you know, it was, it was just wonderful to be able to get meals or to get those gas cards so that she could get back and forth to treatment. But I think what struck me the most with her was her age, her independence, her, um, you know, she, she was quite a fighter hmm. and, um, the things that she was doing at that age, um, just to at twenty four, to hmm. remain so independent. So, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go ahead and put you on the spot a little bit. The one story that I would love if you would tell is the one about the young lady who, with the tattoo. Oh, okay. do you feel comfortable oh, sharing absolutely. that story? Absolutely. Because I, I just think that um, wow, just to to be able to expand the offerings into something so unique, but in my opinion, a really beautiful um, gift um, when somebody's going through the process of, of treatment and what they need on a, on a very personal level to feel better. Mm -hmm. You okay with sharing that Absolutely. one? Absolutely. And, and that ties into our mission of improving the quality of life of breast yeah. cancer patients um, and their families. And for this young woman, 
the tattoo really made her feel so much better about herself and um, provided the emotional healing that that you need to move on. Um, so I got a call from her social worker saying, you know, she had this patient and um, just was really feeling down in the dumps. And this woman had um, a double mastectomy, had reconstructive surgery. Um, the implants didn't take. She had infections. They had to take the implants out. So she had a couple different surgeries. And the scarring... I think first and foremost, just having her breast removed and then the scars that were, were left. Um, you know, every time she got dressed or got in the shower, it was just a reminder of, you know, what she had been through. And, and it, it wasn't pretty to her. Mm -hmm. And she didn't feel good about herself. And so her social worker said, you know, we have someone in our community that does tattoos and would you all be willing to pay for a tattoo to help cover up the scars? And so I said, absolutely. So um, fast forward a couple of months, we had a volunteer or we had a, a survivor luncheon and this woman came and she came up to me and she said, you know, thank you so much for the tattoo. And I thought, tattoo, tattoo. And, <laughs> and then I remembered, you know, we had paid for this tattoo. And so we're sitting there at the volunteer luncheon and um, the, or at the survivor luncheon and the women are going around and telling their stories. And uh, so she said, you know, I just want to thank the Red Devils. They helped pay for this tattoo. And she said, I just feel so much better about myself. And I said, well, would you mind me asking what kind of a tattoo you had? And she said, I will show it to you. And <laughs> so she lifted up her sweatshirt and, and showed us this beautiful was it a tattoo. butterfly? What, what did it do? was uh, like a rainbow uh, feather. Oh, wow. Wow. And, it's a great um, story. It was. And I, we, uh, someone taped the conversations, and I, I love to go back and listen to the oohs and the ahs <laughs> from everyone that was there when she lifted up her shirt. And, you know, if you could look around and see the tears in people's eyes, it was just one of those beautiful moments where, you know, she was so proud to, to show it to everyone. That sounds absolutely powerful. Um, no, that was, was one of your favorite stories, wasn't it? It was, and it's a reminder that... Um, the breadth of the Red Devil services is so unique in that it's um, they go from paying BG and &E bills to meals to cleaning services to transportation services to get these women to their treatment, but also to help them handle their stress and the emotional side as well. Even if it includes a rainbow tattoo. A rainbow tattoo. <laughs> so, Tricia, um, going back to, um, I think you mentioned that it was 48 hospitals now that you yes. all are participating with. So can you expand on that a little bit more? What is what is the reach of the Red Devils in terms of survivors, the numbers? Do you have um, total numbers of survivors that you serve? So last year we served about 800 patients and their families. Um, and we are in hospitals in every county in Maryland that mm. have a breast center. 
So we're all the way out in Western Maryland, in wow. Garrett County, which we just started. Is show. there a certain criteria that a survivor needs to meet in order to be eligible for services through the Red Devils? Or does it have to be advocated by a patient navigator or a... The only social- thing that we say is that they need to be living in Maryland or being treated at a Maryland hospital. Gotcha. Um, and... We have nurses and social workers at each of the hospitals who are our contact person who refer the patients for services to providers that we have already approved. Nice. So we have over 70 service providers in the community that, that we have contracted out with, um, and the coordinators at the hospital will refer patients to those providers. Awesome. Um, and then each hospital has an allocation of funds to use. So the coordinator at the hospital decides how those funds are used. Fabulous. And if somebody wanted to learn more about the Red Devils or contact you about these particular services, what would they need to do? They just have to let their provider know that they're interested, or would the provider let the patient know about your services? For the most part, the providers let the patients know about the services. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone says, I can't get to treatment, the provider can say, I know of a couple resources, and maybe we can use the Red Devils, and maybe we have some other resources that we can use as well. So the coordinators are very good about um, piecing together resources in the community to help the patients get to, you know, get through their treatment. Perfect. Perfect. So, Patty, I'm going to bat it back to you. And I was hoping that we, between you and Tricia, you could share the story about how the Red Devils and Fit to Order um, came to develop such a wonderful relationship um, between the two organizations, how, how that began. Okay, I'll lead off and Tricia, you jump in. From what I remember, I'm not sure if Jan or you approached Stacy and I first asking um, if we had any programs, because we're a corporate wellness program, if we had any programs that would help the survivors with their managing their stress. Um, was it you or Jan? Do you... I think it was one of our board members. It was one of Joan. Joan. Oh, Joan. Who was in your, Worthington. Um, That's right. So she, she was, was in, in the boot, boot camp. camp. Okay. Okay. So Joan Worthington approached. Our memory is just I... beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to get better. Um and then we met with um, Tricia and Jan, I remember, in, the, um, in our conference room here in our office, and um, we went over um, the types of stress, and Jan and uh, Tricia really educated us on um, the stress that a lot of these women go through. So it really was um, eye-opening for two women who have heard about the, this kind of, you know, the disease and the journey that, um, the difficult journey that these women go on, but it started to personalize it. So we said, okay, give us some time and we'll come up with the... Um, We'll come up with a program. So Stacy and I went and researched the heck out of breast cancer, um, about the treatments, about um, uh, complementary therapies that actually help these women, like yoga and meditation and breath work, and um, put together a program called Serenity, where we then, Trisha, um, and I'm not sure how you chose Northwestern, but then we piloted at Northwestern about a year and a half ago. So how was Northwestern chosen? Northwest had, they have support groups, uh, breast cancer support groups. And I remember a couple years ago, they had asked us if we would help pay for um, someone to come in and do massage for their breast cancer support group. Hmm. And 
there was something something else um, in the complementary therapies that they had asked us if we would help pay for. So I knew that they had a program. They had come to us in the past for assistance. So I thought that would be a great place to start. It was a great place to start our pilot um, for sure. So um, and and what happened after that was just, in my opinion, magical. That not only was the the program piloted there, but the group of women that we had on that first class was, I mean, truly, it was just a moment in time that I will never forget, Patty and I um, delivering Serenity and the appreciation and the overwhelming welcoming of this this program that they hadn't seen before. So, um, Patty, describe a little bit more when you say the word complimentary. I think most of us think the word complimentary is the word meaning free. So when we designed Serenity and it was a complimentary therapy, what does that mean beyond free? Because it not, does not mean free. It yeah. means... It means in addition to. So, you know, you're not replacing their medical treatment. This is in addition to to help the, these women manage their stress. So the class in and of itself um, has a lot of the, uh, different complementary therapies all included in there. There's the seated yoga combined with breath work, combined with aromatherapy. The class is team taught. So there's someone in the front leading the class while the other person goes around and gives little mini massages and some healing touch to, to the women. And then each class is themed. We call them our warrior goddesses. And so we'll have a theme that maybe include readings and poems wrapped around strength or beauty or um, compassion. And um, the women really respond to it. It's really, like you said, it's really magical. And Tricia, you've been in those classes as well. Each one um, takes on a life of, of its own. So we're really excited for the direction that it's taken because based on Trisha and the Red Devils um, and Northwest with Jessica Ward and Dr. Leonard, it's starting to get some attention with other hospitals. Yeah, and so the whole reason why we connected the two conversations really is about going back to what is the mission of the Red Devils. And the mission of the Red Devils is to be able to provide these unique services to support and inspire these women and sometimes gentlemen to, to make their life a little bit easier. So Serenity, the class developed by Fit to Order, really it, it aligns itself beautifully with that idea. But again, just to go a little deeper with our pilot program at Northwest Hospital, it, it was connected with the support group. And I'm not sure if that was a conscious decision to do that. But I, again, when you talk about the stars aligning, here's a group of people that come together at a certain period of time, whether it be once a month or once a quarter, and Patty and I were asked to bring Serenity, the class, to be um, pre-support group. So we have the opportunity to deliver Serenity. And I almost feel like it's a warm-up to what happens next because the support group appears to be very important to the, the survivors. So we have a chance to be with them for the hour to put... Um, wonderful intention into the room to be able to provide them with some healing touch, although it's not the trademarked healing touch. It's these mini adjustments. It has a wonderful theme, as you mentioned. And it really, being yoga-based, it it has it's just a heart opener. It's a heart opener in so many different ways that the poses are releasing some either stress or maybe some, some um, places that need to be strengthened and stretched. And then also kind of brings together the power of the group, which is what Patty said about the naming of our, our fit warrior goddesses and being able to come together as mostly women to support each other. 
And wow, what a difference that makes um, in our industry because we, as Patty mentioned, a corporate wellness company, it is a very different feeling to be in a hospital with people that who have gone through a journey that unless you go through that journey, you have no idea what that feels like to be a part of that, to be invited in, to share gratitude and, and joy um, and really a, a release, a letting go of what happens outside of that room has just been spectacular, I think. So before we go any further with the interview, I, I always say this every time I see you, I, we, Patty and I will forever be grateful because I'm not so sure that it's not us getting the gift instead of the women. I, I feel it's, it's a true pleasure, but it's also really an eye opener on when really good intention comes in, in together in, into a room. Cause it, it's not only is it fun, it's really super powerful. So, um, I just have a couple of more questions for you with regard to that pilot program. So we started that Serenity. We know that it's doing a great job and we're having a, a really good time with the, the ladies over there. We've continued on about once a quarter. We're at Northwest and we've been able to get into a couple more hospitals. Can you see a program like that, a need for like such a, a, a different kind of, of, of class, if you will, in other hospitals? Do you see our, our hope and our vision is, do you think there's a need out there for something like Serenity? Or do you think that we've just been really lucky when it comes to this few that we've connected on? I think more and more hospitals are moving towards... Um, emotional healing for patients, mm. survivorship programs. So I would like to think that something like this would be welcome in many hospitals. Yeah. But I think it's something that, you know, many parts of the hospital have to come together and agree that this is something that they want to do for yeah. their survivors, their patients. Do you think that there's still a learning curve when it comes to something like this? I mean, I, I guess where I'm going with it is, is I'm curious to know your opinion on the obstacles that get in the way. I'll give you an example. One of the things that, that Patty and I have struggled with, with serenity is either using the word yoga, right? Or getting into a a jargon that is more clinical. So it's either one or the other. One feels yoga feels very community labeled. And so it doesn't necessarily resonate with the, with the process of healing. If you don't understand what that's all about or trying to talk into much of a clinical aspect, which is not necessarily good for the patients either. Um, additionally, when you hear the word yoga, automatically you think of, oh, they're going to ask me to stand on my head, right? And one of the ways around that process for Patty and I is making sure that we had a really good visual when we were um, sharing the information where you would see a, a woman in a chair doing gentle stretches. Do you have any other um, thoughts on that about the struggles or the obstacles that you would see getting in the way of a, of a hospital accepting serenity? Like I said before, I, I see more and more hospitals um, being very um, proactive about survivorship programs and including some of the complementary therapies in that, but I think it's something that you really have to get them on board with um, the belief that this is part of the healing process, right. and that you know once someone finishes their treatment, you can't just let them go. Oh, agreed. Because it's not... It's not over. Um, there's still so much more that happens after treatment is finished. And, 100%. Um, 
you know, I think it's the responsibility of the hospitals to make sure that they follow up with patients and make sure that that they're doing well physically, medically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's convincing them, providing that visual, providing that information to them that shows that that this really does help with the overall healing process, that just because someone is finished with their medical treatment mm. doesn't mean that they are completely healed. And I think um, the healing that happens with serenity is so much bigger. You know, it's not something that you can look at and say someone is healed, whereas you can if you're you know, looking at them physically or checking the sure. records. But, you know, when you go back to the responses that you've gotten from the patients who um, have taken part in this and, and you hear what they have to say about it, um, it confirms that it really does help them feel whole again and helps them to move on. Yeah. You want to talk about that at all, about your position on like Western and Eastern and how, what that looks like in terms of what Tricia says in, in, in that it's not an isolated thing that we are providing something that seems to be a gap in, in survivorship, we think, right? Well, for sure. And the really interesting thing, and I I am no um, professional on on this topic, but in dealing and meeting and working with a lot of the cancer, um, professionals, um, they very much see the need for this. I mean, that it's, it's unequivocal. It's not, it's not necessarily a vocabulary issue as much with them as, as it is a, um, an administrative situation and where are they going to get the money and how are they, you know, are they going to need to get a donor or, you know, so it's the need is there. And I think anybody who works with a cancer patient going through, whether it's breast cancer or whatever, um, or whatever type of cancer it may be, um, they see definitely the need for the emotional healing and the stress management and the other part, the non-medical part. So everyone we've talked with um, has been so willing to discuss it. It's just a matter quite honestly, of coming down to the funding. Mm-hmm. True, true. Well, those are really great thoughts, gals. I, I certainly appreciate um, not only the insight to a little deeper to the Red Devils, but also you your willingness to share that connection between Fit to Order, Serenity, the Red Devils. So I want to conclude this episode by talking a little bit about how we are going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that relationship. We're going to celebrate Fit to Order, Serenity, the Red Devils, and also just being a, a, a really great girl. We are having our flagship event um, September the 10th. Um, it is called Glow for a Girl, which I'm, I'm, I'm crazy about the name. I think I love the name. Um, I, I could say Glow for a Girl all day long. But at any rate, um, very dear friends of ours, um, fit to order, own Verdant Valley Farm. And that is, um, in my opinion, another magical place. It is where every couple of years there is what feels like miles and miles of, of gorgeous sunflowers that are planted, the seeds are planted, and then you have about three weeks of these lovely sunflowers. And my dear friend, Cindy Franzoni, has given um, fit to order an afternoon in the sunflowers. So we were we are hosting our flagship fundraiser called Glow for a Girl. All of the proceeds um, will be going back to the Red Devils to not only celebrate our relationship with them, but to also make sure that we um, get the word out and continue this awesome service that you provide to um, our community. So. 
Um, if it's something that you would like to learn more about, how just tell us, Tricia, how they can, how our subscribers can reach the Red Devils. How can they get in touch with you directly to hear more information, or if they would like to donate directly, what would they do? How would they reach out? Uh, they can give us a call at 410-323-0135. That would be the best way to reach us, or you can go to our website, www.thereddevils.org. That sounds great. And if you want more information about Glow for a Girl coming on September the 10th, net proceeds going to the Red Devils, you can reach us at www.fittoorder.com. Um, I want to thank you for listening to episode number two. I want to thank Trisha for being our very first interviewee. I think you did really well. And Patty for joining us on the podcast today. It was really a lot of fun. Um, please, if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Thanks again. Thanks again.